Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to Aid Thompson and Other Disappointments, your twice weekly slap around the chops with all things politics, dystopia, and uh, general awfulness. Uh, if it's your first time listening, congratulations on using your ears. Uh, if you're watching on the live stream or on YouTube, don't be a stranger. Uh, drop me a comment, give it a like. Uh, and, you know, all, all the other things that people say on things like this. Uh, I'm on a bunch of platforms. Uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, maybe give me a follow on Twitter, where I try inexhaustibly to amuse myself uh, all day, every day. Uh, I'm also on TikTok, where I do two vids a day, mostly about politics. Though today I did one about Dharma, uh, which is uh, it's on a lot of people's minds right now because of the Netflix dramatization uh, of his... Uh, quite deathy hobby. Um, and as, as I said on uh, TikTok, a lot of people reducing it to just sort of murdertainment, if you if you like, you know, like it's it's just taking something very serious and harrowing, and then it's it's shipping it to salivating true crime fanatics. Like here, here you go, here's here's your next fix, and you know, millions of people are like, nom, 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 nom. you know, I don't. I think for me, by the end of it, uh, and I think there was was it eight episodes or nine episodes. It's not, it's not a super long box set, uh, but by the end of it, I was like, you know, geez, <laughs> like it's it's more about parental neglect and a total lack of social care structures than anything else, you know. I mean, there's some proper, there's some proper memeable moments in there too, though, you know. But then, I mean, that's just American television for you now. I think, like, the guy that produced this is the same guy that made American Crime Story, you know, like the the um, assassination of Gianni Versace and the O.J. Simpson trial, you know, like those big ass box sets, explosive television. Uh, and they were serious subjects too, but there was also some, you know, memeable shit in there. Some quite dark comedy, like light-hearted moments to to break up the rest of it, right? Anyway, so I watched Dharma, and uh, like I, I don't want to spoil this, but I mean, like this this shit happened thirty fucking years ago or whatever. So it's not like me talking about it now in twenty twenty two can attract much criticism you know like oh man oh, i didn't know all that stuff like where have you been <laughs> this this is probably the seventh time they've dramatized this or whatever you know oh you've you've spoiled it for me no you're just incredibly slow people that tell you that you've spoiled a movie or book or something that's been around for years they need to be sealed in a barrel and rolled off a pier, those people. Like, it's been around for ages. It's not spoiling it if it's something that's been around for ages. That's just like, you know, when you're tired and hungover and you're reading with your five-year-old and they're taking ages to get through the story, you know? They're like, and the... Cat says meow. The cat says meow and eats some cat food and we all go home. Right, cool. Well done. Good night. Like 
Daddy, you're spoiling it. Yes, yes, I am. Spoiler alert. You're too slow. Go to bed. Which is ironically the sort of parenting that probably raises serial killers. So the circle goes round again. Anyway, so spoilers-ish for the slower among us. Um, so it's obvious his father neglected him. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, you know, wasn't there. He ran out. Um, and his mum had postnatal depression. And then when his dad was around, he was teaching him like how to cut up animals, like roadkill badgers and shit. So there's that. And there's no discipline and there appears to be very little love and, and very little at attention. And he's just left on his own. It's just terrible parenting. Um, and it sounds bad, but like, honestly, I have never been a better father than the last couple of days since I finished this box set. <laughs> like, we should all aspire to be the kind of father I am when I've just finished the Dharma box set. Like, I'm cuddling my son. I'm playing football with him, kicking the ball around. You know, I mean, like, the impatience and hatred of football is still there, but I just keep it, you know, bottled up for now. <laughs> Until someone else's kid runs over, like, chase me! <laughs> Kick the ball to me. And then you're like, listen, you little shit. I don't even want to be doing this. Running around with my coffee in hand, trying not to spill it. You know, out of breath in two minutes. I'm 41. I don't even want to be doing this with my own kids. Like, I'm going to go the extra mile for someone else's. The fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> like I'm just trying to be a better parent. Since watching Dharma. And, um... You know, I finished episode eight where the dad has to come to terms with his role in all of this. You know, I finished that episode and the next morning I was honestly on the walk to school like, are you OK, Jacob? You know, do you feel loved? You're a very loved little boy. Would you like a cuddle? <laughs> you know, daddy and mummy love you very much. Come here, you little tinker, you know. Just trying to do up for like five years of shit parenting with like one really wholesome school walk. They should make Dharma prescribed reading or whatever for like deadbeat dads, I think. You know? Like if you leave your kids, you go off grid and you don't pay maintenance or you get in fights with the other dads at the school gates, you know, like they should haul you into court tell you the damages the community service and then it's it should be like you know with drink driving videos where they show you crash footage from people who had like you know nine beers and went joyriding you know try and open your eyes to it expose you to the severity of your decisions that you made like but this is like like sit these deadbeat dads in a shitty room and make them watch eight episodes eight hours of dharma <laughs> Sit those motherfuckers down and expose them to this. Like, just sit back and watch the hardest of hearts, the strongest of men. Tracksuits, tattoos, buzz cuts. Emerge from that room at the end of the day. <laughs> They'll be like, I am going straight from here to register for the PTA. That's what it would be like. Pick up the phone, call the kid's mother. You know, like, Trish. 
Trish, I know I've been arm's length and distant, and I went to Blackpool with Trevor when I should have helped you with Jordan's birthday party, and I'm sorry about that. I am sorry. In retrospect now, I see that was wrong. And the time I spent our rent money on Mephidrome, and about everything. Like, I'm just sorry about it all. But I want to be there for you and Jordan now. I'm a changed man from this moment on. From these episodes on, I have changed, Trisha. Like, I mean, I'm being a bit ridiculous, I know, but it's like it's an affecting piece of work, this box set, I think. It's very jarring in terms of like how it makes you feel about personal responsibility as a parent, you know? And also about social services, because at so many points, so many government like institutions failed to step in. Like the mum has postnatal depression, no childcare support, no assistance from local services. And then they've got the school, right? The school, they've got this kid with no friends asking weird questions, taking dead dissected animals home. And they're like, well, was, you know, nobody's ever asked me if they could do that before, Jeff. But sure, here you go. Have a fucking dead, dead skunk or dead pig. We'll say, yeah, sure, that's normal. Take it home. He's got no friends. He's weird. Then he's drinking a beer in class. And no one in this school ever stops to go, you know what, um, maybe we should, like, call social services. You know, maybe is that something that we should, maybe we should ask them to step in, you know, check up on the home life. <laughs> maybe that's a thing that we should do as caregivers. <laughs> he gets caught jerking off at a fun fair. A family fun fair gets caught wanking. Then he gets prosecuted for child molestation or something and let off of that as well. Like the police get told like 20 times that there's dodgy smells in his apartment and people are hearing screams and people in the community are going missing. And there's just failure at every juncture. So I don't know, like to me, Yes, it's a story about a psychopath killer or whatever, but it's as much a story about parental neglect. And I know this sounds weird, but it's a story about American tax freedom and selfishness, you know? Like if you tax people properly and you fund support services, then things don't get out of hand. You know, things get caught early because you've got the support structures. Families get the help that they need. Kids with mental illness get diagnosed and medicated or institutionalized, maybe. I don't know. And look, I don't want to spend the whole podcast talking about this, but it's also kind of like a bit about looking at horror stories in a mature, grown-up way, right? Which sounds weird. weird. But, like, for millions of people, even now, today, they will watch that box set and they will go, oh, my God, that guy was pure evil. Like, that will be their response to it. They'll tweet it. They'll go, just finished watching Dahmer and God, pure evil. Which is such a simplistic way of looking at it. It's, like, childlike. It's, you know, he was just evil. That's it. That's your explanation. Game over. Thank you and good night. He was just evil, so, you know. 
And I said this on a TikTok this morning about it. Like, it, it, it sort of lets people off the hook if you just say that someone was evil and that, that's the explanation for why these things happened. You know? The devil's always going to come knocking at your door no matter what you do. Like, it's not, you know... Oh, okay, well, I guess we should just give up and not even try and solve these. You know, it's, it's a bit like that. The truth is... Or the truth in as in so far as I can perceive from this dramatization, which I accept is probably not 100% accurate, but the truth appears to be that he came from a chaotic and hectic home and he was left alone and abandoned a lot in different capacities, like just, you know, left alone, just doing nothing, but then also abandoned by like his dad and his mum at separate times walked out on him and like, yes, he might have been very sick regardless. I don't know. That's a question for psychiatrists or whatever. Like, does that kind of mental illness exist in a person through traumatic early life experiences? Or is it always there? You know, nurture or nature. But I don't know, like if it if it'd been raised in a loving, compassionate home or in a country with adequate support structures, like, could he have gone on to do that shit? Probably not, I don't think. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it felt to me, like, coming out the end of it, like, it's so easy to box this stuff up as, quote-unquote, evil. But actually, all that does is condemn the next generation to the same shit, you know? And that's sort of why even now, like, we have kids in chaotic houses, hectic upbringings, neglected, and then they go on to get into gangs or terror cells, or they become, you know, a Steve Wright, the Suffolk Strangler, or, you know, Harold Shipman or something like that, where we're like, wow, that person was pure evil. It's like, no, how have you not connected the dots yet? You fucking idiot. Like, it's like, oh, I can't believe this problem that is actually totally fixable, that we've ignored for decades, keeps coming back to bite us in the arse. Like, and all we had to do was pay some of my tax money to... Oh, wait, no, no, that's right. That's tax money. Mine. Must not pay tax money towards public services. Must slash them as much as possible, you know? Anyway, what, what else is going on right now? Let's not spend the whole time talking about bloody Dharma. Um... The other thing that's on my mind at the moment, right? And this is going to be a, probably quite a TV-centric episode, I suppose. Um, I watched a truly atrocious TV show last night. Really horrific. Uh, harrowing, even. Uh, and I know some of you are going to be thinking, hang on, he watched Dharma, which he doesn't think was really a horror story. <laughs> but it's actually some sort of commentary on, you know, societal structures. He watched Dharma, but now he thinks this next show is Harrowing. Well, this must be a fucking Hammer horror movie or some shit. It's just... But no, it is... Um... Oh, God. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called Married at First Sight. Um, I know. I, I know. It is. I mean, it's just... It's just shit TV, isn't it? It's just shit TV. Like, I don't know what you're like with your partners, dear listeners. Um, 
But sometimes you just want shit television, right? Sometimes you've had a hard day. Your kids have played up. You know, like, no, I said, I said, cut the badger up horizontally. Go to your room and feel a bad. No, you've been worried. You've been, you've been worried about the government and mortgages and energy bills. And, you know, finally, you just want to sit down with something that doesn't tax your brain too much. You know, we're all we all get in that headspace. Like, you know, Netflix should have a separate category or genre where it's like, you know, up here you've got comedy and down here you've got documentaries. And then there's this third category, maybe like that's called shit to have on while you stare at your phone. Like, you know, and Married at First Sight is that. Although it's on Channel 4, not Netflix. Um, married at First Sight. And yes, look, I know this this show that we're doing right now, this is not politics, okay? <laughs> I know that. Uh, I know I'm going a little bit off-piste here. But everyone's talking about the Tory conference and the 45 pence tax rate shit, and I just want to zone out from it all, you know, for a couple of days. In the same way that I want to zone out, you know, sit down and watch some shit television every now and again and just you know check out in the same way with this podcast i just i just need a break a little break for this one episode can we just have a little break from that noise and roast some television for a second so here's the thing with this show quick pause for beer hold on here's this thing with married at first sight so it is what it sounds like it's a bunch of people who agree to go on a reality television show where they've been paired up with someone by, like, you know, talking heads, relationship counsellors or something. Um, and they've never seen the person before. But down they come, down the aisle, and that's it. They're married. You know, they turn around, they see this person for the first time, they ask them their name, and then... They get married. And then the cameras follow them on the honeymoon. You know, and then all the different couples, there's about like six or seven couples, they all meet up and trade gossip and get dinner together and talk about how they're getting on. And it sounds shit, right? And it is shit. It is shit television. But it's also really captivating. And I hope you don't think less of me, listeners and viewers, uh, for, for talking about this stuff, because I know that it's shit. But just... Bear with me for a minute. We're going to peel this onion, right? It's sort of like I watched this. It sort of yields questions about men and women. And it, it was kind of fascinating. Is it like about their expectations and what's important to them and how they react in certain situations? You know, it's quite funny. Like, um, but there's this one lady on it. I think her name was uh, Kasia. I hope I'm remembering that correctly or pronouncing it correctly. I think her name was Kasia. And she's obviously not seen this guy that she's about to marry. But she's looking around the hall. And I think his relatives are there in the seats waiting, you know, because it's a wedding, right? I mean, it's a TV show wedding, but it's a wedding. So relatives and friends and stuff are sat there on his side of the thing. And she's looking around the hall and he hasn't arrived yet. He, she hasn't seen him yet. And she says to her friend, she's like, oh, I hope he's tall. Oh, I hope he's oh, I hope he's taller than his family because his family are all short. Look how short they all are. I hope he's tall. And look, <laughs> like, 
Like, full disclosure, I'm 5'9". I think. I'm not sure. I'll say 5'8", just in case. Just in case I'm not as tall as I thought I was. Like, I'm somewhere around that. 5'8 or 5'9". I just know that when I go to the pub with friends, I'm always a little bit weirded out by how my friends are between... Like, in my mind, we're all about the same height. But actually, in reality, when I see them in the pub, they are always about two to four inches taller than me. And it's, I, it always sort of jars me a bit. Um, like, I don't think I'm short per se, but I think I'm, I'm one of these guys that's like, if I were an inch shorter or my name was more common, like if my name was Dave and you had to differentiate me between, you know, me and David Smith or David Brown or someone, then you would call me Little Dave, I think. Like, I'm probably average height for a Western man. But literally, like, any smaller, if I was an inch shorter, I would be Little Aid. People would refer to me as Little Aid. That's, that's where I sit. So, anyway, I guess, you know, it's important to get that out there because it's possible I may have some, you know, unresolved sensitivity to this. Under, I don't think I do, but fine. Um, but also, like, so a lot of people should have sensitivity to this, right? If if they're going to be consistent with this idea of body shaming, <laughs> right, <laughs> or whatever, like this casual woman is like, oh god, I hope he's not short. Oh Jesus, he's not as tall as I would like. He's quite short. Like he's not short. He's just not taller than her in heels. But still, it's like she's so confident to just take a thing about him that he cannot change. <laughs> and just like callously with her mean-spirited heart pumping tar and hate around her body, take this thing that he can't change and be like... Phew. No, this is a bit short, you know, <laughs> and it's presented as a funny thing. That's the thing, which it is, but perhaps not in the way that, you know, Channel 4 are hoping, you know, like they're hoping it's like, you know, a light jab, a little jab. Oh, she wishes that he was taller. Ha ha ha. Like, isn't that a bit funny and a bit silly? Like, but it's like to me as a sort of social commenter, I guess, if that's what I am on a good day. Like, to me, it's just, it's like hilarious as a relatively short guy, I guess, to see this presented as like, oh dear, you know, he's a bit short. Is it like, like to feel so entitled to take an aspect of his physicality, if that's the right word, and use it against him <laughs> like nothing, you know? It's like, it tells you something, doesn't it? It's like, like I wasn't, offended by it i didn't feel like how i imagine let's say a black person would feel if they were watching a tv show where someone said something cunty about black people right it wasn't like i didn't feel targeted or offended it was just bewildering like how openly accepted this sort of attack on his physicality Again, I have no fucking idea if I'm using that word right. <laughs> it was, I don't know. Even with so much progress that's been made in terms of like equality and seeking a sort of, you know, a society where people aren't targeted for how they look, you know, it's just really, 
interesting, like how differently we perceive men and women and what they want and how openly they feel entitled to then criticize someone else, you know, sexually or physically, you know? I don't know if I'm really like nailing this point. Like if you don't understand what I'm getting at, how is this, right? How would that shit go if you took a thing that she can't change, this cashier woman, about her body, something she can't change? Like, because she was like, you know, she was a full-figured woman, I'm going to say, and I'm not criticising. She's a happy, healthy, attractive woman. And I'm sure there's a million men out there who would cut a ball off to fuck her with the other ball. <laughs> I'm positive she has nothing to worry about in that respect, of her being attractive and sexy and looking healthy, you know, to a, to a lot of prospective suitors. No issue there, I'm sure. But can you imagine the shit <laughs> this Kwame guy, that was his name, Kwame, what shit would he have got if he'd been on camera? Like, oh, God, oh, I hope she's not fat. Oh, God. Please, God, make, make her not fat. Have you seen her family? Her family are all quite fat out there. Oh, God, I can't deal with fatties. No, like, like I was saying that to my girlfriend last night. Like, I don't even feel comfortable saying those words, having them leave my mouth in a sort of, like, parodic, trying to make a point kind of way. Like, it feels bad, me saying that stuff. It just feels horrible. Like, the phonetics of it, of being judgy like that, you know? So can we imagine how bad that would go down if this, if this poor fella reduced Kasia to nothing more than her, like, body type? You know, like... I don't know, it was really... I, I found it quite eye-opening. Eye and there's more, you know. Then they're on their honeymoon. And they're, you know, they're getting on okay, I think. You know, they're, they're asking each other questions and talking about how, you know, how kind of weird it is being on this show. And they're getting on. And then she's sort of, you know, on his case. And I think it's quite clear... She wants to fuck. <laughs> and his attitude is more like, well, you know, hang on. We're not rushing anything. Which is the smart move. Let's be real. That is the smart move. If you've just... I mean, it's fucking funny. Like, coming, coming from a guy on a show where you marry someone you just met 30 seconds ago, you fucking idiot. And he's like, oh, I don't... You know, I don't want to, I don't want to rush this. Like, motherfucker, you've skipped seven years. <laughs> like, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe take a breather. <laughs> maybe take this a bit slow. Let's not rush this. Let's, let's not move too fast. Because you don't want to spoil it? No, it's just, you know, if we fucking ruin it too quick, we'll be out of sync with season two, which is divorced at second date or whatever. Anyway. I like the guy's attitude, right? Because, like, you know, if you have sex too quickly, it can ruin your chances of anything serious developing. We all know this. We've all got together with people where, you know, we probably should have waited and paused and, you know, taken a moment. Waited the three days before we texted, right? Let it build up a bit. And then over three months or six months or, you know, you gradually let them fall in love with you. <laughs> so that when you do 
end up in like a bedroom of a motel or, you know, undressing in front of them. By that point, they're in too deep and they can't just run away. In theory, that's the theory. Like, like I take my clothes off on the first date. My dates would be like, is that your, like, why did, why did you glue a slug to a bonsai tree? Like that, that your, your penis looks awful. That's, ugh. That's why you save those realizations for further down. The grand reveal. When they're locked in. And there's enough love floating around that they can accept you for who you are. <laughs> but anyway, you can see that she's getting, um, you know, she's getting uh, frustrated about this. Like she wants to be plowed. She wants to be pleasured because it's her honeymoon. You know, in theory, she's quote unquote married and she's been willing to overlook the fact that he's not six five. So the least this tiny piece of shit can do is give her some. That's that is the vibe. She's frustrated. And again, like, it's really interesting to see it, you know, on on the other foot, right? Because. She's uh, confiding in one of the other wives. And she's totally open about it. She's like, she's like, you know what? Intimacy is important to me. And, and when I've had a cognac, you know, <laughs> when I've had a cognac, I'm loosening up a bit. You know, I might feel a bit frisky, you know, and the other the other wife is like nodding along. Yeah, no, I totally get it, babe. Totally get it. I might get a bit frisky after a cognac and I might start to want it. Like she's so open about it. And she feels hurt that they haven't had sex yet. And I was like, I was like watching this like this, this right here would make a great sister show to this like you know how these reality shows they have sister shows so for like um for big brother it was uh, uh russell brand hosted it big brother's little brother and then for love island it's love island extra right you have extra bits a different host phone-ins previous contestants dropping in and, and giving their thoughts and but for this, instead of it being like, you know, a shit comedian asking questions to an audience of pissed students, it would just be men telling women intimacy is important to them and they're hurt they haven't slept together yet. <laughs> and then the reactions. I would love to see that. That would fuck being the sister show. That should be the main thing. I would tune in for that. I would sponsor that show. I would subscribe to the Patreon to see that show just men saying shit like babe um i want to be real with you yeah like intimacy is important to me i enjoy having sex and feeling that connection and i i actually feel affronted yeah i feel hurt i feel hurt and frustrated babe that you haven't had sex with me yet <laughs> I think that's not considering my feelings. It's, like, it's not just me, is it? Like, like, it is really interesting. The way these things are different. And are still presented. 
you know, as different, not just by producers, but by by the people themselves. Like, I don't think it's crossed this, um, this, I'm sure, very nice and otherwise quite reasonable lady. I don't think it's crossed her mind for a second that this could be construed as pressuring someone to have sex, you know? Like, maybe he doesn't feel ready. Maybe he's had bad experiences before. It's, things have moved too fast. Maybe he's taking it slow because he wants to increase the chances of it becoming something serious. Maybe all his friends and relatives have been like, all right, Kwame, look, do do the show. It's fucking stupid, but just fine. OK, go and do it. Give it your best. But just remember, just just don't don't just sleep with us straight away. You know what you like, Kwame. Just try and give it a good shot. All right. For your mother and your grandmother here, because they're going to be watching Kwame. All right. They're going to want to see their son and grandson behaving sensibly and respectfully. Like there's no consideration there for that at all. It's it's like, listen to me, you short motherfucker. <laughs> if I if I can overlook your height, which <laughs> which which I can, because literally I'm looking over your height, you short motherfucker. <laughs> like if I can look past your tiny frame, Kwame. I'm sure you can find it within yourself to consummate this shit. Like, it's that kind of vibe. It's just the entitlement of it. You know, there's something weird about that. If you reverse the dynamics. And it's not like this, you know, this is one couple on there with this quite obvious, weirdly weighted dynamic that's interesting to observe. Like, there's other... There's other couples, you know, other brides on there and they say similar stuff. There's this girl who's like just completely open about it. Like she says, well, you know, he's not big. You know, I want a guy that's going to, you know, tower over me. And he's not he's not a tower. Like he's not even a house. He's, he's basically a shed. Like he's not big. He's like his legs aren't that big. He's a he's a bit short. Like and again, it's like it's so eye opening. Because it lets you see, like, what's actually important to people, to men and women. And what's actually the reality, you know, bubbling underneath. Once you pick away that scab, like, how how mean and, like, bigoted. It, like, maybe bigoted is too strong a word. I don't know. How, like, unflinching our prejudices can be, you know? Like, we love to tell ourselves it's what's on the inside that counts. We don't know. We're not going to judge people on how they look. Of course not. Oh, no, that's an awful thing to do. Or things that they can't change about themselves. Oh, who would do that? Only a monster. And for the most part, it's true, kind of outwardly. But then you put people in situations like this, where things are important. You know, a marriage. And then, you know, even when the cameras are on them. Even when they know pricks like me are going to see it and then rip them to pieces for it, still, they're like, nah, too short. <laughs> like, I don't care if that makes me look like a twat. I am not going with some guy that's got slightly short legs. Nope. Legs are too skinny. Game over. Curtained out. Like... And the fucked up part, I think, is that men... I don't know if this is going to win me many fans or, like, hopefully you'll all take it in the spirit with which it is intended. But I think, like, men, by and large, 
have sort of learned to keep this stuff to themselves. I don't know if you can say that that makes us more dishonest, disingenuous. Like, would it be better if we were just outwardly mean like that? Like, I think men, we still think these things, obviously. Like, we're all, men and women, we're all awful human beings. But I think men have learned that it is not okay. Most men, I'm sure there's some real pieces of shit out there. But, uh, you know, a lot of men have learned that it's not okay to reduce women to body stereotypes and, you know. And to be fair, like, there was not one guy on this show that I saw. Maybe it was, you know, different episodes, perhaps there was. But on this episode that I saw, there wasn't one guy on the show who was like, well, sure, she's a bit pudgy. <laughs> but I guess, you know, oh. Once I've had a cognac, you know, once I've had a cognac, I might feel a bit frisky, you know, and if I'm willing to overlook her pudgy, dumpy frame, then the least she can do is suck me off. Like, none. There was none. Not one guy like that. I mean, they probably had thoughts about whether their new wife was, you know, the perfect match physically. But they keep it under the hood. And I kind of feel like that's representative, maybe. You're like, men have learnt by and large to keep that stuff under wraps because of how bad it looks and because of how hurtful it could be, I think. Maybe you guys disagree. I think by and large, we've learned to keep it under the hood. Keep that shit bottled up. Let it slowly bubble and brim under the surface instead, really unhealthily, till it manifests as a deeply unhappy home life and spawns a fucking dharma. <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's better to just let it all out then. But the fucked up thing is, like, these women will say this stuff. And again, just to be super, super fair, I'm positive there are men out there who also say this stuff. And yes, this is a reality show, and it's edited in a way that makes things look more salacious and so on, right? But these particular women on this episode will say this stuff on TV like it's no big thing. And here's the, here's the weird thing. No one will say anything about it, right? And if, let's say, I or someone else does say something like, you know, that's not really on, he can't change his physical build, you know, he can't change the fact that he's too short, that's not really on. Actually, what you're saying there is quite sort of hate hateful. If it's not hateful, then it's approaching that. Like, if you if you talk about this stuff, here's the fucked up thing. About 180 men will burst in the fucking door and swoop in and say shit like, don't listen to him. He's being a pussy. Listen to me. I think you're a queen. Will you fuck me? I said you're right just for, you know, I said that you're being a confident woman telling the world what you're looking for. Will you fuck me? Can we fuck me? Like, have, have I buttered your ass enough now? Would you like another cognac? Can we fuck now? Are you, are you down to fuck? Like, there's immediately there'll be 180 guys out there who will back up the woman. <laughs> And then so it sort of warps the the consensus. Do you know what I mean? So then she comes away thinking, well, there's other 180 guys out here. Tell me I'm, it's, there's nothing wrong with what I'm saying. So I guess it's all down to you. <laughs> being short, being a pussy aid, you know? I don't know. There was so much other shit on this show, man. Just utter lunacy. Um, there was, you know, I don't want to do it a, a complete disservice just in case somebody's listening that worked in production on it. There were some fairly normal couples too that seemed quite well suited. There was a gay couple, 
two fellas. Seemed quite normal, very cool. And lesbian couple. Uh, one of them was vegan. The other one wasn't. But they you know, seemed very normal, very cool. Um, then there was, a, there was a couple, like a guy and a woman. And they went diving somewhere. Um, and they seemed pretty cool. Like the, the guy was a bit of a wimp. You know, just for balance. On this occasion, it, was, it wasn't a woman who was being a, a bit of an idiot. The guy was just being a bit of a, you know, a bit of a weed. Bit of a wimp. He didn't want to go diving with sharks. That was his thing. Didn't want to go diving with the sharks. And I have to say, yes, he's a wimp, you know, for not doing it with her on their honeymoon. But so am I. Okay. I am a card carrying member of the Coward Club. Being a fucking pussy has kept me alive a long time. Um, and then there was, a, like, there was another fucking train wreck couple you know this this lady the wife started crying about how fake she thinks her new quote-unquote husband is like that's actually word for word what her complaint was was that he was fake a fake husband like this is a reality show you like this is a reality show you dappy twant he's just he's just so fake yes none of this is real Then you had this other couple who were quite, you know, quite saucy. Quite saucy they were. A few hundred listeners, you know, probably normally tune into these podcasts are going to be like, what the fuck is this? I thought you ranted about Tories. I was here for the satirical shit about, you know, Boris fucking livestock aid. But honestly, 40 minutes about some low budget reality show and what you watched on Netflix over the last week. Just indulge me, as I said, you know. I'm just taking a minute from the clown cart that is UK politics. Um, anyway, so this other couple, a bit, uh, you know, a bit, bit sauce, a bit, bit salacious, if I dare say so. So, so the guy's this sort of, you know, tall, handsome, seemingly quite nice, reasonable guy. But then you never know. I mean, like Ted Bundy seemed nice, right? (laughs) Like on a on a surface level, at the face value that the Channel 4 editing team have presented to us, he appeared quite nice to me. And his quote unquote wife on their fake honeymoon thing does a game of truth or dare with a woman and gets in the hot tub with her. And then there's this little peck or, you know, kiss. And it's a bit flirtatious and silly or whatever. And then then she tells the guy about it. I think his name is George. And obviously he's not happy. He feels sort of, you know, disrespected. Like it's early on in this relationship. I know they've just got married, but it's, you know, they've just met. It's early on. And if this stuff is happening already, what is it going to be like? You know, what is this woman like? sort of thing like i mean i know it's a shit reality show and you know you get a fake wedding and everything but you would hope even a fake marriage wouldn't constitute a humiliating cheat on your honeymoon wouldn't you (laughs) like that's the that's the boilerplate package is that you know for a fake wedding a fake marriage please could i not have a humiliating cheat 
on the honeymoon. Like a real marriage could be that shit. People do do these things that are that awful on their honeymoons and stag nights and hen weekends. They end up, you know, fucking a stripper just before they tie the knot. Or, or, you know, the husband, you fly off on a honeymoon, the husband cops off with the waitress in the resort that they're on their honeymoon in out of, you know, fear of commitment or, you know, just a holiday mood takes over, or, you know. But real marriages can be that bad. So what's the point of having a fake one if it's going to be that terrible? <laughs> like, who's, whose fantasy is this? It's like It's like strapping on VR goggles. Like, you know, okay, you could be, um, you could be anywhere and be anything. What's it going to be? Are you going to be a prince in the Middle Ages or a, you know, billionaire astronaut or, you know, a rock star with a supermodel girlfriend? No, no, I'd, I'd, um, I'd like to be a divorced estate agent having a cumless fuck in Milton Keynes. Oh, really? Wow. Like, <laughs> look who's fantasy like for your fake wedding basically should you have to deal with your fake wife having a bisexual jacuzzi moment with another woman on your fake honeymoon that's the question and anyway so so that happens and then here's right here's the kick in the balls so obviously word gets around because they're all meeting up for dinners and you know gossiping and um and one of the guys talks to her, right? And he he just says, one of the gay couple guys walks over and they have a quick catch up. And he just, he's being open and honest about it. He's like, you know, I don't know if that was cool. And, and then one of the other guys, right, talks to the guy, George, the tall, handsome, reasonable, nice guy. Maybe I've got a thing for George. I don't know. And when it, So this other guy walks over to George and he says like, yeah, I don't know if I would take that. You know, like, like stirring the shit, you know, and it's a reality show. Remember that, like there's, you know, Channel 4 producers in the corner and probably everyone's wearing an earpiece. And this chap, you know, here's the fake like, yeah, hi, Paul. It's, you know, it's Amanda from the production team. Listen, you're doing a great job eating your dinner there. Um, But we were wondering, could you just walk over to George and tell him that you heard what his wife did and you now think... The lady he's tied a knot with is a promiscuous, generous harlot whose ankles are rarely cold. Could you just go over and tell him? <laughs> so he does. And um, it's like that kid at school, right? I don't know. Like, I went to a state school. I don't know where you guys were educated. I don't know how rough your school work was, but invariably there would be one kid who would just start shit all the time. Walk over to one person and be like, he, oi. He called you a dick. He called you a dick. I don't know if I would take that. And then they stand back, watch the fireworks. Oh, did you call me a dick? And the you know, fight kicks off. Proper stirrers. Anyway, so the gay guy comes over and says, you know, I don't know if that was cool. And she gets very defensive. And you might be wondering, sweet dear listeners, who are still with me at this point, in an entirely TV-focused episode of the podcast, you might be thinking, you get married, you go on a honeymoon, you climb into a hot tub with another woman and kiss her on the lips on a honeymoon, and she's defensive. What is that defense? Well, that defense is, I didn't have to tell him about it. <laughs> I didn't have to tell him about it. 
So therefore, it's okay that I did the bad thing. Because that shows trust. <laughs> like, it shows... It shows you can trust me. It's like... <laughs> that I told you that if... In the unlikely event I fuck up again in the future, at some other hugely inappropriate moment, remember... They're on honeymoon and on camera. If I fuck up again, like somewhere out there where I definitely shouldn't be getting in a hot tub with someone else. If that situation comes up again, if someone at the school gates or the PTA goes, hey, uh, look, I've got some uh, coke here. If you want to hang out in my van for a bit, if that happens, yeah, I might go and do cocaine and get railed for two hours, but I will tell you about it. <laughs> so... So you can trust me. That's trust there. And frankly, you're being unreasonable. Like, And so then she's doing her own, like, you know, on these fucking shows, they do like the outside on cam bit. You know, it's like a sort of breakaway interview with them. And she says, actually, the fact he's been going around bitching about me makes me really question his morals. And I'm sat there like, are you on fentanyl? Is that what's happening? Are Channel, are Channel 4 producers mainlining crack into these people? Like, oh yeah, I'll go on a fake wedding thing on the honeymoon and I'm in a hot tub having a bit of a bisexual dalliance, humiliating the guy. <laughs> but it's okay as long as I always tell him about it. You know, like Sunday morning over a coffee. Oh, oh, by the way, I sucked off the two patio guys. What? She's like, so, so we're cool? <laughs> and then, because he's acknowledged it, because he's acknowledged to this other guy, this one other guy, that he feels humiliated, then she's like, you know what? That's bitching, and I do not like bitching. I wonder about your morals, George. <laughs> Might be a problem... For me, that's like it's, you know, it's all pretty stupid and it's probably cut and spliced and, uh, you know, staged maybe and and then re-edited and, um, you know, to like add drama. and But honestly, this show does nothing to convince men that they should get married. Married at first sight married like you watch it and you like you, you hear echoes of people who have said shit to you, like you should get married when are you gonna get married aid oh fucking never <laughs> with a face full of popcorn like i mean send the shit you know this fella over here trying to do a nice toast to the group and like his new wife was like that's not you you're being fake like this this guy over here getting pressured to have sex with someone that he doesn't feel like he's got a connection to yet <laughs> this guy over here getting a party girl wife kissing women in the hot tub on their honeymoon <laughs> you know when they say shit like fewer couples are getting married now than at any time in the last 50 years like this show has set it back at least another 20 and I watch these, you know, these poor bastards on this show. And it makes me want to set up like an abused fake husband's shelter or something, you know? 
fake husbands that get treated like shit. Like, come in here, guys. Guys, we've got a flat for you. We've made it comfortable. With Look, over here, we've got piles of receipts and batteries and car keys just here. And, and then there's bean bags and a, and a pinball machine. Just that, like, you're, you're safe here, fellas. I mean, you have to be... you got to be a bit careful talking about this stuff. Um, because you don't want to... You don't want to fall into the realms of weird fucking incel culture. With, you know, fuck around and get clipped. End up on a Reddit forum. Like, A. Thompson speaks up for incels. Like, fucking great. <laughs> like, no. Clearly not all women are like this. And this is a reality show. Like, you know, things are exaggerated and, as I say, edited, re-edited. So, my girlfriend isn't like this. Your girlfriend isn't like this. In fact, very, very few people's girlfriends or wives are like this. Because this is a shit TV show that's, you know, produced and repackaged and... You know, it's there to showcase drama and nonsense at every available moment and pivot point. But it is, I don't know, it is interesting, isn't it? The dynamics, the way people interact and and present each other's shortcomings. Because like that couple, she kisses a, w a woman in the bathtub, uh, in a hot tub on the honeymoon. That, I would say that is a breach of trust and, you know, it's disrespecting him on their honeymoon. And now other people know about it and he feels humiliated. And, you know, he's got questions. He's wondering what the future of this relationship. Like, I would say the correct response to that would be, I'm really sorry that, you know, I made you feel like that. I will try harder and let's just move up. Like, that would be fine. And then he, in turn, can say, I overreacted a little bit. And, OK, like, I just want to make sure that this isn't... You know, you're not going to be silly because this is it's like a honeymoon. Like, you know, you can have a mature conversation there. But it's the way that this gets repackaged back. Like she gets defensive and then like misrepresents it as, just, oh, it's him bitching about me. And then when he goes over to her, he's like, look, let's do you know what? It's fine. Let's just move. Like he tries to be like the bigger person. And at that point, she's shut down. She's like. No, you know, I'm just not really happy. Not happy about this bitch. Like, at that point, the, the dynamic has shifted and he's somehow in the wrong. And it's like, then he has to, what, apologise? For feeling like... Like, it's so fucked. And it's so interesting. Anyway, look, people listening to this will be like, you know, why does it have to be anything other than shit TV aid? You know, stop psychoanalyzing. Trying to peel peel back the layers. Like, do you do this with every fucking TV show? Do you do this shit with Teletubbies when your daughter watches it? God, you must be insufferable to live with. How does your missus put up with it, Aid? How does your missus put up with your insufferable levels deep analysis? And the answer to that is with a huge amount of patience and probably the odd jacuzzi dalliance also. But it's okay because, you know... She tells me about it. She puts it up on billboards and fucking TV shows and radio ads <laughs> and tells, tells the whole country about it because we trust each other. And no, I don't complain about any of it because if not self-respect, I have morals. <laughs> Guys, uh, that's, that's probably a good moment to leave it on. That's it for this one. I've been talking shit for almost an hour, I think. And, um, you know, this is fun, but I've, I've got to go. Uh, we have an in-person 
live meetup on Thursday, the 27th of October. Uh, we're keeping it booge. We're keeping it strictly Binfluencer. Uh, we're meeting up at 6 p.m. that day. That's uh, Thursday, the 27th of October in London. It is exclusively for Patreons. Uh, but if you jump on patreon.com forward slash aid Thompson, uh, you will get the invite. The plan is to meet up, drink and talk shit about Tories and whatever else. Uh, you know, maybe reality TV. I don't know. See, see how I feel that day. Um, I'm dead psyched to meet all of you, though, as... Um, and as ever, uh, super grateful to to all of you for supporting the podcast. Um, there are three tiers on Patreon and they get you a bunch of stuff uh, ranging from first listen to all of the shows. That's two days ahead of everyone else. They always go out on Patreon first. Um, you can also join the Discord channel or chat uh, where we talk shit about Tories mostly. Um, and then you get exclusive invites to the in-person events. You also get credited at the end of the shows like this one, which I will go through in a minute. Um, and then if you join the 10 pound tier, which is frankly a bit ridiculous, um, I will even throw in a monthly call with yours truly uh, with the other £10 backers uh, over Skype and we can all talk about shit together. You can ask me anything about politics, life, love, the universe, uh, serial killers or indeed god-awful reality TV. Um, so anyway, quick shout out to the Patreon backers. Let's quickly go through them now. Um, what's up to Alex, Chris, Ricardo, Silent, T-Rex, Oliver, Sarah, Paul and Kerry Dodd. Oh, and our newest uh, Patreon backer, uh, Aaron. Well done to Aaron uh, for jumping on board with the Binfluencer cult. Don't be a stranger. Please do join the uh, the Discord channel if you uh, if you should feel so inclined. Um, that is it, as I say, for this one. Uh, for, oh, finally, before I go, uh, if you'd like to sponsor the show, uh, if you run a business, um, that is something I'm looking into at the moment. I'm beginning to start looking at possible businesses that I would like to partner with. Uh, for the shows and maybe TikToks and live events and so on. Uh, so you can either get, get in touch with me on Twitter. I'm at Aid Thompson, or you can jump on the Funk 27 site, uh, which I run and I put all of the episodes of the podcast and a weekly blog uh, every Sunday goes on there. Uh, so if you go on Funk 27, um, you go to the contact page, pop your email address in uh, and click submit, and then it will come through to me and I'll hit you right back and we can talk about uh, your business and how best we could partner and get you uh, at the beginning and the end of the shows or maybe have a banner at the live events and so on um, so yeah that's something too so if you're interested don't be shy do get in touch as i say that's it for this one thank you so much for listening um if you oh fuck sorry one last thing if you're not in a position to support the show via patreon that's fine totally understand it um it is super cheap like it's three quid a month uh for the first tier so um you know hopefully that's not too expensive uh but if if you're seriously counting the pennies at the moment that's cool uh, all i would ask is you share me about just click share on your podcast players episode pop it into whatsapp and send it to somebody who you think might enjoy the show uh that's all i ask thank you so much um there's a guested show uh, with dr julia patterson coming up uh on friday this week it will go out to patreon first and uh, it'll be out to everyone else probably sunday so yeah catch up with all of you then ciao for now goodbye